podcast ain't played nobody. I didn't ask you to write that Falcons thing. I didn't know you were going to. You you mentioned something to me last week about it, but I didn't know that you were going to do that. So let's and let's kill it, the conspiracy theory before it starts. And did it make you feel like you know you know better about your team? No, it reminded me that my quarterback's getting older and that we just lost, more than likely lost another year. So that's, that's <laughs> yeah, how I felt yeah. About there it. was that at the end, and, and yeah, and this it was funny. I mean, the whole. It really wasn't intended to make anybody feel better. It was just like, yep, this is one of those years where every game is stupid and comes down in the final minute. Enjoy. I think the biggest difference between the NFL and college, you invest faith in a quarterback a lot more on the pro level. Oh, yeah. I mean, just think about Clemson and Bama and you know all of these teams that are dominant right now and the rotation of quarterback. You know, like when, De- when Deshaun Watson left Clemson, you didn't think, well, that's it. It's over now. I mean, I guess for those schools, no. But if you've got like a blue chipper or it turns out you've got a stud at like a second tier school where you think, man, if we if we get this just right over the next two years, maybe we can crack into the, you know, in yeah. those situations. Yeah, um, what am I what am I saying? I went to school the exact time that Eli Manning did. Right. And I mean, That's, I, I yeah. was, you know, in the stands for every single one of Chase Daniels home games. Um so, I mean, I, I do think in those cases we do have – and it's a, it's a smaller window. With like Matt Ryan, I mean, you've had freaking 10 years or whatever. And even when you um, – you know, it, even when you're building to something, like not, not a 10-year window but like a three- or four-year window, it's at least a good solid three or four years, not, oh, hey, this guy's good and now he's got it like a year and a half before he goes pro. Crap, we got to be good right, right now. Um, but it is. I think with truly great quarterbacks, you get a, you get a really long window. Like people are still think like, aren't the Chargers supposed to be a Super Bowl favorite? They're really good. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean Rivers is old. Yeah, really. Re- 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 like, I was trying to figure this out yesterday. Um, let's see, how old is he? He's thir- because Tom Brady has just skewed everything. Let's see, Rivers is thirty six, um, which by any definition is freaking old. Um, how old is the how- Amway salesman in New Orleans? Forty. <laughs> Forty forty one. I, I don't. You know, I will not stand for this disrespect of uh, Chase Daniels' former mentor. Uh, Thirty nine. He turns forty in mm. mid January. Duncan Duncan Donuts, chain owner in Louisiana. Just what Louisiana needed. Uh, this is podcast ain't played, nobody. <laughs> uh, that's robot Bill Connolly. Oh wait, this is college football marriage numbers and words. Yes, inside. college football marriage and numbers and words. It's a football marriage numbers and words, and I'll I'll lop college off there as I damn well see fit. That's the robot Bill Connolly. He's the inventor and proprietor of the As Seen on ESPN Game Day S&P Plus analytics system. Uh, he's written multiple uh, of the book things, and um, you can find the book things on Amazon. Uh, you can find the S&P Plus analytics reveal show every Sunday <laughs> on uh, whatever podcast service you're listening to this on now. You don't have to seek anything out, you lazy-ass consumer. My name is Stephen Godfrey. You can reach me at 38 Godfrey. Uh, that crazy, dumb TV show thing I made last year was so stupid that it got me on another TV show for another network. So we're recording this a little early because I have to go fly and shoot another dumb TV thing. Not for a month. Not for a month. Seriously, you gotta... I am not going to the store for cigarettes this time. (laughs) I can just, I can hear the indignation from you consumers of free content. I will be gone for two days. Two days. I'm shooting something. I don't. I have not signed an NDA on, but it's so far. It's it's seven or six months from air. I think 
and, and so I don't think they're they're going to let me say anything yet. It is not for SB Nation. I'm representing SB Nation. Always terrifying for SB Nation, I know. And um, I don't think I'll be alone from our merry band of pirates in appearing on this particular thing. You're just and the prettiest. It, uh, You're the prettiest, so you get to go first. Bud says I have the best hair. Well, I mean, you have hair, first of all. I mean, so that eliminates like three quarters of SB Nation, but... We have that many people without hair? I mean, it was a rough estimate, but I mean... You have we, hair. Uh, well, okay, well, yes, technically I have hair. I never look at your hair really. when we hang out, but I mean, you have hair. Yeah, I mean, I, I, technically only, Bud has, is, is close-cropped. Jason is close-cropped. So Jason shaves have, his head. Yeah. Ryan, Annie keeps a very tight quaff. <laughs> yes, he does. Hey, you want to see? Hey, if you if you don't know what Ryan Nanny looks like, and most of you do because of the blue and onion thing, yeah, that's right. You don't know what his hair looks like because he was wearing. It. You know who he looks exactly like? <clears throat> uh, Army's defensive coordinator, Jay Bateman. Line those bad boys up. I'm not. In fact, let's do this. Since I haven't, since I, it's been a while since they've tortured me, usually over some dumb comic book trivia or some bullshit. It's been a while since anyone from from across the aisle has messed with us. So what I'm going to need you guys to do is just tweet photos, no context whatsoever. Or you can say something like, congrats on the big win against Miami of Ohio. And tweet photos of Army defensive coordinator Jay Bateman. Uh, I will say Jay Friend Bateman of the program has, to uh, at Celebrity Hot Tub. Jay Bateman squ- has a much more square jaw. Uh, oh God! <laughs> well, I don't even say that as like wow, a compliment Bill. or non-compliment. He's just got—I mean, he's dude's got like a rectangle jaw. Like he's got a just a, a granite. What I respect is when you drop nukes. It's just so like so monotone. You don't you you don't signal when it's coming. You just—I uh, mean, it was more so matter of fact. It was more a compliment to Jay Bateman than anything else. <laughs> you're still doing it. <laughs> fantastic oh god uh tuesday shows get looser and looser i'm fine with it um as we record this yes i am getting ready to go out and shoot a tv man i'm i can't get over that square jaw thing uh, he's, gonna, so he's got a beautiful he square it. jaw and and it separates oh, done, the two of them done um anyway uh don't at Jay Bateman, who's a really good defensive coordinator, yeah. um, a, a, a friend of the program, whatever. I interviewed him a lot when we were doing the Army-Navy embed. Uh, don't bother him. I'm sure he has something to do. I don't even know who they're playing this week. But um, hell of an ending, man. Yeah. Just, to, just to talk real football for a second. And by the way, the reason you did write that Falcons piece, I think, was because as so we record this uh, out of time. Um, it is Monday afternoon for us. This right. thing will go up on Tuesday and the Falcons are in Monday night football. I have a friend in town. I'm going to eat dinner with he and his new bride. I will not be watching it live, but that's, I mean, it's rare that I watch a Falcons game live. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful thing to know the result ahead of time and know exactly how that's one word for it. Like it's, it's just, a, it, it, it eliminates. I know there's like less, um, Tension, like, you know, there's less nervousness or whatever, but it, you trade that off with just understanding what's coming and, and understanding whether you're going to be happy about it or not. I don't think there's another person in the listening audience who does this. I would venture to guess. I don't think this is a, I don't think this is a college football thing. No, it's, I mean, it didn't used to be a thing for me either, but once I started doing it for, you know, because I, obligations and whatnot, I was like, man, this is great. And so yeah, I always so try calm. to let people- You're so calm about your favorite team that it, it's, it's completely different. 
I, and also, like, even if I don't know the result, I still let the – because I don't like listening to announcers talk about my team, <laughs> I, I still like just being able to basically say, okay, play over, zip, zip, okay, next play. Yeah, play over, zip, zip, and next play, and just be able to catch up that way and skip commercial breaks. Um, I really think we are five years away from a smart TV app. You pull up ESPN. You you click on the game that you want to watch. What was the Saturday night game on ESPN this week, this oh, that we oh, just ESPN had. was is it LSU Mississippi State? Yeah. Mississippi State? Okay, all right, or or Fox or whatever. Like yep. Fox had uh, Wazoo and Oregon, either one. And then there will be a menu, just like you can select closed captioning. That you can pick probably one of two or three feeds. I think it's going to come. I think like, like you you get the Fowler Herb Street feed on the on the ABC game. They did Purdue. Then maybe you flip. Or you select something and you get the um, the coach's film room thing. I really do think ESPN would stand to do that every week for one game. I don't know if they want to cannibalize their audience like that every week. I know they do it for special occasions. I'm going to tell you for a fact. One, barring a massive change, I'm not going to Santa Clara for the national title game. I couldn't think of a, a worse thing to do than go all the way out there to watch Alabama just... I've been using the word evaporate a lot, but I really do think that's the best way to describe what they do to teams. Um, I'm going to be at home, and I hope they do a coach's film room because I just—it's yeah, way so. more interesting to watch. Yeah, I think. I'm, or if I'm at the I'm coaches' convention, just watch a live forward, one. Yeah. yeah, if I'm at the coaches' convention, I'll just get drunk with coaches, and then you have a live one. You get a lot of profanity. Um, we've uh, wow, just a really loose show today. Um, We've got to reconstruct a couple, or not reconstruct, I guess, construct a couple odd playoff pairings, which are technically possible. <laughs> um, we have a bunch of questions. Mm-hmm. Do you have anything you want to get off your chest as far as you said you were already mad about? Are no, we not, getting ma- in, not we're, mad We're getting about. into comparative analytics already? Is no, no, no. Well, yeah, sort of. So, um I realized, today, like, okay, so, you know, I got a head start in, uh, in the whole getting yelled at thing. Um, you know, most people can avoid it in September, but I'm the I'm the idiot who puts out numbers from the start of the season. And so, uh, you know, I, I was tired of Alabama ain't played nobody like in week three. Uh, and today, and today being Monday, um, on Monday morning, I put out the updated resume S&P Plus numbers. And it's funny because, you know, we put them out all year and people notice them for this or that reason or whatever. But you can tell when like a new wave of people has begun to care about such numbers, whether it's the resume stuff, whether it's just the plain old S&P Plus stuff on Sundays. Uh, and so like a new fan base will just roll, stroll in the door or barge or break down the door or whatever and start, uh, you know, complaining uh, and saying stuff like, you know, well, why doesn't head to head matter? It's all that matters, you know. Uh, and this week it was Notre Dame because in my little resume S&P Plus ranking, Michigan, who has handled its business mostly definitively since losing to Notre Dame in week one uh, at the top of the, oh, no, I guess in both S&P and resume, uh, they are ahead of Notre Dame at the moment. Um, and that does not impress Notre Dame fans. So, I mean, you know, I, I've been given the disclaimer all uh year really that i mean once they replaced brandon wimbush with ian book and started looking like looking the part they've been a top five team and i can't i'm I'm not going to change numbers or anything like that but just generally speaking there's a lot of of uh earmuffs uh shit talk about head-to-head and how much it matters uh and i was curious from for your from your perspective 
how much does head to head matter to you? Because like, doesn't because in conference play it does it depend it determines standings and that's great that's that's the role it's supposed to play but for like Michigan Notre Dame especially halfway through the damn season it does wait. dumbly matter to coaches a lot I get it it's just how you're it's that's how you're wired you're engineered for the confrontation you know and this is a this is a very 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 mid-season argument um, because yeah, Michigan's ahead of Notre Dame in my numbers. My numbers don't matter. Um, they are the you know SP Plus is quite predictive, and it basically says that suggests that based on how the teams have developed since, Michigan would have a better than fifty percent chance of beating Notre Dame if they played again. But again, Notre Dame's slightly artificially low in my numbers because it, it counts the brand. It penalizes Brian Kelly for not understanding which quarterback of his was better at the beginning of the year. Um, it doesn't matter in any other. You know what I was just thinking about. What other sport does it matter in it, no, as much? Not really. I mean, NFL they, NFL takes rankings out of it entirely and just goes by record, and that's fine. Uh, so, I mean, in that sense, head-to-head rankings don't matter in the NFL. It's just, you know, head-to-head puts gives you a leg up in the standings, and, and so it's all taken care of there. But then, like in all the other pro sports, yeah, you play each other multiple times, and you're using standings for everything because you can play everybody. Yeah. Uh, and it's not an option in college football. But it really – I always try to – I mean, I, I beat this point into the ground, I think, but I always try to point out just the whole best-of-seven idea. Like how many times has the – well, I mean, number one, Golden State doesn't go 82-0 and 0 just because they are the best team. They don't win every game, but even within like a best of seven, how many times does the superior team lose the first game and then win in five or win in six? Um, but we only have one game and it means something, but it doesn't necessarily mean anything predictive. Um, I guess another obvious example now being is EMU better than Ohio State? Because only one between EMU and Ohio State, only one of those teams has beaten Purdue this year, uh, and it wasn't Ohio State. So if we're if we're just setting up the big transitive rankings or whatever, uh, things get messy real fast. But no, I because I was getting yelled at a, a lot, I got I was a little bit of a smartass and and just basically said like, what Notre Dame fans like head to head only matters for conference standings. You don't even belong to a conference. So what are we even talking about here? And I got a lot of the typical, you know, wow, just wow kind of stuff, but it really doesn't. It only tells us so much about who's a better team. And even in a resume ranking, like the resume is some P plus stuff. It's only one game. Okay. I'll shut up dog. I'll shut up. But um, I got mad. She kept hearing Notre Dame, man. Seriously. I thought I assumed your dog would hate Notre Dame. I don't know. I don't, I don't know how she feels about that. I have to ask her. But anywho, uh, what way to cue that one up to cut me off? But uh, sorry, like, didn't. Yeah, <laughs> it really sure. is a uh, blame the UPS man five doors down. <laughs> dog won't listen to me after three different trips to dog college. But if she hears a delivery man in the quadrant, oh god, yeah. Two clicks away, her dumb ass is banging against the door. Um, Our, yeah, ours, ours barks, and then the chihuahua watches her bark and then has to ch- chip in, but he doesn't know how, what to do, so it just comes end up being this weird noise. There was the like chihuahua. five minutes of this show, like for, or for five minutes when we first started this show, where I was like, man, we oh, we'd have to stop and edit that out. No. I mean, we're not full cast or anything. We're still trying to provide a semblance of quality, but. but. Um, all right, let's just uh, let's let's do the monkey dance that they want us to do. It was okay. wildly popular when we started fitting square pegs in around holes and coming up with weird playoff scenarios. Um, at least it was wildly popular in my mentions. Um, so I'm going to do one that I don't think is impossible. I think it's impossible at all. It's not going to happen. Uh, my buddy Stephen Hale, who's a reporter here in Nashville, he does real reporting, real journalism for the Nashville scene. And if you Google him, his name is Stephen Hale. Stephen spelled like mine. And uh, 
he'd done some really, really amazing writing on uh, death row here in Tennessee, like legitimate journalism, not the dumb Where, shit we do. Where's this going? Nothing. I'm just shouting him out. Oh, um, okay. Yeah. Just man pushing traffic. Come on. <laughs> um, so, and also he's a, he's a barner. So, and this has nothing to do with Auburn, but he's a barner. So uh, I guess he's just bored at this point and wants <laughs> to come up with different ideas to distract him from the numbing reality. Um, you ever notice how Barner doesn't come out right? Uh, no. So, okay, so in the South, I don't know how far this translates. There's usually at least one derogatory nickname for every right. SEC fan base, with the exception of, like, I don't think Vandy really has one, but you just say Van- you say Vandy sort of dismissively and you kind of get the point across. <laughs> um, and Bama's is the best because you call him a gump. And it's so unique and and succinct. It just it, it achieves the point that they want, right? Right. Barner, I just think is dumb because it's just a to to, to throw er in there and turn it into a class of person just because they're an ag school and like they're not even the aggiest of ag schools, like between a And M and Mississippi State, like in the conference anymore. So I don't know. There's got to be a better way to slander Auburn. <laughs> I mean, they, they leave the door open for a decent amount, yeah. Although the people who coach there are doing a good enough job. Um, all right. So Steven suggests uh, this is his college football playoff suggestion: Alabama one, Washington State two, Purdue three, Fresno State four. How many losses does Purdue have? Uh, three. Oh damn it! We can't do it. Can there's we? no way in hell. Like that one, even with our stupid brain on, I can't. I there's no, no. There's all no. right. All right. Okay. Fine. 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 Let's do this then. Alabama, obviously. Wazoo. Because this was this was born during the Wazoo blowout mm-hmm. where everybody I was tweeting back and forth with some people. Uh, the Purdue one was fun because they beat Ohio State. Fresno State, uh, I just got done. I got suckered into doing Orlando radio. Um, they're nice. I've, I've done well. Yeah, yeah, no, he's a nice guy. Not that I mean, there's one Orlando radio person, but... Uh, it's the, the guy the who does the UCF stuff. Okay, Jerry yeah. something. Uh, yeah. yeah. They were very nice. Uh, the point was, like, I just got done just having to be like, hey, look, I do a podcast, and we're super, super supportive of the G5. You have no shot in hell of going to the playoff. <laughs> it's not it's not your fault, Will. Um, so, Fresno State, we love you, baby. I do. Anybody wants to send me to to Fresno? This is how you know I like my job is, like, I don't want to go to the cool places. I mean, I would have gone to Hawaii this year, but, like, I'm like, oh, man, send me to Fresno, where everyone from California is like, God, don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> Um, the people okay, from Wazoo. Fresno that I've talked to are like, yeah, don't come here. It's rough. Um, Wazoo. It's Wazoo. possible. Uh, uh, tech, I mean, yes, technically. Let's do it. Let's cook. Um, well, obviously they have to win out, but here's here's one of their problems. If they win out, they've got win. Well, I mean, the Utah win looks better and better. They've got wins yes. over Utah and Oregon. Remaining games. Remaining games. Stanford, Stanford is, is, is ranked. 30- is looking, right? yeah, but they won't be after they lose to Wazoo. Um, yeah, that's true. Okay, uh, it's Stanford, Cal. Uh, I'm sorry, at Stanford, home against Cal, at Colorado, home against Arizona, and then the Apple Cup against Washington. If you cr- well, first of all, yeah, from the Washington State perspective, um, crush like went at Stanford, crush Washington, uh, crush the rematch against Utah, or I guess the best case scenario would be somehow USC still making it, so you could beat, so you could avenge that loss. Uh, hey, real quick, real quick. What's the attendance at Levi Stadium in Santa Clara for Wazoo, Utah on like a Friday night? Well, I figure Utah would travel. That's 
Um, they've been waiting for this opportunity. It's hard to get anywhere from Pullman, I guess. But no, yeah, Look, everybody's Utah, waiting. Hell, Utah for the probably travels to... better than USC if they had to go back there. Everybody's waiting for the opportunity to win their conference. Nobody's waiting for the opportunity to haul ass to on four to days' Clay. notice to, to go to, to north of San Jose who, in one of the who, most expensive parts of the country to watch a game on a Friday night in an NFL stadium. Who would attend better, Utah fans or Stanford fans? Utah. Okay. So, step. We're, we're already, we've taken a step up here. I'm really – the bloom is off the rose for me and Stanford. <laughs> Seriously, you need to rekindle that romance. Uh, or not. Um, okay. Uh, so, well, anyway, out. so yes, obviously Washington State has to win out. Um, and have Utah win out because you, you're going to need a quality one at the end. Right. All After right. you've thumped Washington at home, which yeah. – Okay. So, um, I just was looking at Clemson's schedule for a radio spot, and I was like, all right, well, let's just put them in because that's going to happen. Um, so, Alabama-Clemson – it's really so big tid winner of Notre Dame. Who do we knock out there with one lot at one man? Wazoo would need just go ahead and have Notre Dame lose. Except the problem is, is it a one loss Notre Dame that you're going up against, right? You kind of one loss Notre Dame, uh, yeah. It'd be it'd be hard for them to pass a one loss Notre Dame, I think. Um, so Notre Dame needs to lose to ooh, ooh, Notre Dame needs to lose and then lose to USC, who beat Washington State. So, um that's probably that's gonna have to happen. Notre Dame needs to lose to a Northwestern or a Syracuse or whatever, and then lose to USC as well. Just fall apart there at the end of the year uh, to knock them down. Um, mm. I, I still figure at this point, yeah, just have Alabama win out, kill LSU, make sure they're nice and dead, and then kill Georgia, make sure they're nice and dead. Well, that's um, Alabama's gonna do that in spades. LSU's going to take their second loss. Georgia will take their second loss in the title game. So there's no worries there. Right. Uh, over in the Big 12, you'll, I mean, I you think can, it's total. There's pretty much any permutation. I think you you end up with a two loss champion at this point. Well, I, well, sure. I mean, Texas or obviously Texas OU or West Virginia could win out, but the, the, you don't have to try that hard to come up with a scenario where. Right. I guess well, I should yeah. rephrase that. Yeah. In no situation do I feel like any of those teams is going to win out. Oh, I think, I think everybody's going to oh, take it absolutely lump. still went out, but but still, no, I mean it's not it's not unrealistic to think that the Big Twelve has a two loss champion at this point. Um, Give me that OU Texas Big Twelve championship game. That's fine. Um, well, from a numbers perspective, from a rankings perspective, it's already kind of like that game didn't happen. So um, hey. Give me that dumb, dumb logic paying off in dumb, dumb spades. Do OU and Texas fans get mad about a rematch in? It's in Jerry World, right? Right. Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't think so. Just I, I think the thing that was going to make them mad is like if you had a bedlam rematch situation where you play one week and then play the next. Obviously, that's never going to be an issue with Texas Oklahoma. So I don't think they're going to be too mad about that, especially if they get to go to the nicer building in Texas. I guess. But, if one um, team has a clear shot, or either team has a clear shot at a playoff spot, or really even just half of an idea that they could, because you never know. Mm-hmm. Totally. Um, then it's going to be a really good game because then the, what you really get in college football, or at least the way my brain works, is the chance to keep your rival out of the playoff. Right, right. massive. Um, so I think that would be pretty cool. Okay, um, so Alabama runs away with everything. SEC definitely doesn't get a second team. Big Twelve is out. Um, yeah, bit, uh, a, a, it's getting a lot harder to keep Clemson out at this point. Um, I said Clemson was in though. All, all we need to be is the fourth team. I'm just okay, getting well, Wazoo in the playoff. I'm not doing anything else. So I guess three teams Ohio go State in. Loses, hmm, let's see. Oh no no. Michigan no, I, loses no, to no, Penn State and then beats Ohio State. 
That's yeah, but that's fine. I, I'm giving. Let me just. I'm giving Alabama, the Big Ten, and the ACC bids, and then I'm saying Wazoo's the yeah, fourth. Well, so all we all we have to do is take care of Notre Dame in the Big Twelve. Okay. Not that hard. The harder thing for me right now is looking at this back end for Notre Dame. Navy, Northwestern, Florida State, Syracuse, USA. Right. If you're looking for the most realistic path, Notre Dame's in and the Big Ten champion is out. I think that's a more realistic combination. Could they farted away in Chicago? Sure. I, not I mean, gonna, this is not a good Navy team relative to other Navy teams. This is not a good USC team. I want to believe Syracuse can do it to him in the Bronx because I just sure. think that would be funny. I'd love to see FSU do it, but they're not. Pitt's not very good. So, uh, and and so even though Notre Dame, even though it was kind of a fluky situation, it involved a kick return and all that, the simple fact that they almost lost to number 87 Pitt in S&P means they could pretty, uh, it doesn't take that many fancy scenarios for them to lose to 69, uh, 69, uh, Northwestern, 57, Florida State, 52, Syracuse, or 48, USC. Navy's pushing it. Navy is sketchy this year. But, um, do you, uh, Bill? Do you know off the top of your head right now, with a, without it being the Thursday show, what the primetime game that CBS is putting in primetime on CBS this I, week on I kinda, CBS? I kind of go, go out of my way not to look at those things in advance. But I, wait, they're using their primetime slot this week? Oh, yep. oh, wait. Is it on an SEC team? Nope. Oh, they're using it this week and the following week. The following week is Alabama LSU. Well, right. That's do what you I was know assuming. What's that was do you know happen. what? Do you know what is on primetime CBS this week? I do now because I just looked it up. Notre Dame and Navy in San Diego. In San Diego. Okay. Huh. That's the nicest response I have to that. Hmm. Huh. This is, by the way, uh, Jason already did point out. Like the, the schedule LSU is fans weird. should be angriest about that. I just want to add because they could have <laughs> right. flex, they could have flexed LSU Florida to primetime. Yeah. Um but like just the, the, there's an interesting we'll talk about this a lot more on the Thursday show but uh lots and lots of and lots of ranked teams are on the road this week. Now granted Georgia Florida are two of them so that doesn't count really. Uh but uh, most of the ranked teams in action are going to be playing decent opponents and so we could see a big shakeup. Of course it won't include Alabama. Well then in this case they're not even playing so of course it's not going to include Alabama. But um mm-hmm. we could still see a lot of shuffling after this week. The um this week I will be at a wedding in uh, near Mobile. It's a, like a resort town near Mobile, and it is an Alabama LSU wedding. Oh God! I know I'm pumped. And they schedule it for the well. Of course they schedule it for the for week. the bye week. That's perfect, that's, right? That's it's perfect. the bye week. Yeah. yeah, I'm so pumped. Now for those of you keeping track, yes, I was without my wife last week, but she was at another wedding uh, because she's she grew up a socialite and was a sorority girl. Um, and some of you are thinking, damn. College football, alleged college football writer, uh, you are losing these battles. To which I respond, I left for five weeks straight <laughs> last year to film you're a TV that, you're show. You're paying that off for a long time, and then I then I left for six more weeks, spread over three months, and in, in the spring of this year to finish the TV show at different times. And uh, so now, where she's like, "Yeah, I think uh, I think I'm going to go to every wedding I'm invited to, and we're going to do this, this, and this in the fall." And I'm like, "Ah." I, I'm out of cards to play. Um, yeah, so maybe I'll get back to it in 2019. We'll see. Uh, not that hard to get Wazoo in the playoff. Right. Uh, Purdue, well, I, Purdue, I feel you, baby. Three losses ain't happening. No. I don't know if there's a more popular or current team than Wazoo to do this to. 
And, and because and I'm me, I have on. to point out that it's not hard to create a scenario. That scenario is not even slightly going to happen. But it's not hard I don't to th- lay whoa, it out. Whoa, 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 whoa. I don't think we just created an, a far-fetched scenario. Notre Dame eating the curb and well, the Big 12 just blowing put, each other up. Let's put it this way. Um, Hubris. Uh, this, is using, and, this is using fancy math, and I apologize in advance. But uh, S&P, for, like, the, the start of the scenario is Washington State wins out. There's an 8% chance of them winning out between now and the title game. And there's going to be like probably a 60 or 70% chance the best of them winning that game. So we're already down to like 5%. Down? Huh? Who's dragging that down? They still, Washington. They still play Washington. Washington's a top ten caliber team, and they get and like if you believe in mental hurdles and whatnot, the Washington Wazoo uh, rivalry right now is a massive mental hurdle for the Washington State team that gets obliterated every year. Uh, so this is a good point. Yeah. So yeah, I mean that's even if they get there, and I mean Stanford at Stanford is is a toss up on paper. Um, Forgot about Colorado's not an amazingly Wazoo leaning game. So you get through all that, and then you got to play Washington, who has beat the ever living crap out of you for the last few years, and that's that's all yeah. rough. So we're talking like zero point five percent at best. But insert Jim Carrey my- gif here. Yes. There's a chance. There's a chance. Sorry. Forgot about my beloved Huskies. Um, I still think well, I think it's I think it's more logical to burn podcast time talking about the playoff chances of Wazoo than it is about <laughs> LSU. Okay. Okay. I I love the LSU headspace right now. I feel y'all's energy. It'll be good for a quarter and a half. Quarter and a half. Well, and I mean they've had those games in recent years where it was like you know six nothing in the third quarter or, or even worse. Like what one of those Jalen Hurts years? It was they didn't Ed's put that first game away year, the, the interim year that was like what what was the final ten to three or something? Uh, yeah, Seven I'm pulling it up. But like they, it, it, you you never had the sense that LSU was really going to be able to score, which obviously you know killed some of the potential drama and eventually Hurts like broke a touchdown run and everything. Yeah, it was ten nothing, ten nothing two years ago. Uh, it was, oh yeah, it was scoreless heading into the fourth, and then Hurts uh, breaks a touchdown. God, with 13 that's right. It was left. in prime time. What a terrible. Uh, see again, it was terrible. Yeah. Bill, if that hap- if, if if that happened between Northwestern and Michigan State on ESPN two, <laughs> right, fifty of us in the media would have been making fun of it. Yep, I think people were. I I, I think I don't recall them anybody saying this is an amazing game because LSU had 125 yards and six first downs. Um, I think people were calling it the the rock bashing fight that it was. Um, but still, yeah, like it was, it was technically scoreless heading into the fourth and I could see a scenario, not a scoreless scenario with this Alabama offense, but I could see a situation where even if Alabama does win comfortably, it's not comfortable for a while. Um, I, swear I think to that's God, not I've watched, the- I've watched the nine, six game on television and I was there and then I've watched it back and I was like, God, this is awful. But when you're there, that nine, six game was amazing. I, yeah. I know it doesn't make sense. It was I've never seen like a three-yard slant, and you're like, "Oh, excellent chess move!" Right? Or, or like, you know what? He's gonna go off tackle on third and eight because he's just setting up the punt. Like, and you're like, "Excellent!" Well, and yeah. everyone's just sitting there with bated breath. When we were talking about that, when we were previewing the the rematch that year, I remember like reading something about how like Jordan Jefferson was a really nice change of pace. He came in and did some interesting things with the option and really opened things up for the LSU offense and all this stuff. And I look back at the stats and Jordan Jefferson had like 43 yards rushing, um, really opened things up with those 43 yards and like most of it on like one carry or whatever. But no, like that's. 
I, watching that game live, I mean, I've, being that I'm a Missouri fan, I saw multiple 9-6 games in uh, 2015, and they were horrible. Watching the 9-6 game in 2011, you at least you understood how much talent was going into that 9-6 game. And you if could you see. held on to the football, if you were holding the football or received the football and attempted to move the football forward, it was an invitation to total violence. Yeah. They were more effective. Like (laughs) it's the best tackling I've ever seen. It's the most, there weren't like the slobber knocker clowny, you know, helmet popping hits. It was just an ass whooping at the, in the 10 yard radius, of the line of scrimmage on every play. And Alabama, Alabama tries the trick play that works. And then Eric Reed just rips the ball away anyway, uh, and picks it off at the one or whatever. Um, no, it was, it was a watching it. Let's put it this way. Well, I loved watching it live. I really enjoyed it. I had no motivation to watch it again, <laughs> but no. like watching it live, I'm like, man, this is, uh, these teams are awesome. Especially, uh, obviously mostly the defenses, but these teams were c- clearly talented. I've seen Requiem for a dream. I have oh. no need to see it again. Yeah, my, my example of that is uh finding private or yeah, private, saving private Ryan. Saving yeah. Ryan. Loved it. I've Don't, seen, no, I've seen that a couple times on uh, cable. All right, Watch anyway. that with my mom. She was crying within 30 seconds of the start of the movie. It was, it was amazing. Uh, speaking of LSU, shout out to my uh, sister-in-law's boyfriend because he came to visit LSU, always saving me. This is probably why my son cheers for LSU because he's just inundated with it. Uh, was solo with the, with, with the kids, and my wife was gone. But my sister-in-law was here, and her boyfriend went to LSU. And in between the Auburn Ole Miss game and the LSU game, uh, against Mississippi State, they came over and spelled me for like, I don't know, 90 minutes and just allowed me to like absorb information. It's funny too because they gave me that window. Shout out to Jesse, by the way, because he listens to the podcast, which is more than I can say about some members of my family. Um, in that in that time, I ran a couple of errands, like cleaned stuff in the house, but I didn't, it wasn't like I tuned in to watch football because also at that point it was like total bloodletting in Knoxville and like right. it wasn't a great slot. It was more just like, you just get on and start looking at box scores and stuff like that. It's weird. It wasn't like I went on DVR and started looking up what was going on at Clemson. Do you want to get into that before we do questions? Because I'm really not trying to tee up and rub my nose, rub anyone's nose in the whole uh, NC State thing. Uh, you would yeah, have lost I mean, to West Virginia. Now what um, tattoo are you going to get on your ass since that one's not going to happen? I mean, I guess it's just going to stay rosy. I don't know. Like... I'll sh- look. I'll say something stupid in the next week or so. True. That that space still for rent. Yeah. True. Um. I just uh, not trying to gloat, but uh, <laughs> look, NC State's probably gonna go like. Well, they lose a game. I was gonna say nine and three, but they're probably gonna go was, like nine and two. Yeah. Yeah. They're not really like the the football gods don't allow them to win double digits, so. Um, they're they're capped, but they could still they're still potentially going to have a good season as long as they don't, as long as it doesn't become one of those getting bammed type things where they yeah. you know they destroy your soul and you got nothing left because they they do have to go to Syracuse next and Syracuse is more than happy uh, if you're flat footed you're going to lose that game. Yeah, maybe I don't know. Finishing at Louisville, Louisville, finishing with Wake Forest at Louisville at North Carolina certainly cushions uh, whatever fall you might embark on here. Talk a lot about Cuse on this show. Talk a lot about <laughs> NC State. That that dude who was complaining got his way because we mentioned them nonstop for like the last three weeks. Well, that I did on purpose to be a dick. Um, 
Uh, let's go to questions. Yep. Gonna go randomly. JP Swain, you blowing up my freaking timeline. Yeah. Uh, we'll start with him at Two Pints JP. Is there a second act in P5 coaching for Jeff Tedford, or should he ride the wave at Fresno? Uh, it would be a West Coast situation, and you would just have to you would have to convince me of those situations. What would be the best? Here's what I think. I think that Ke- Kevin Sumlin is gonna be short lived at Arizona. Um, that yeah. much I'll say publicly. That I think Kevin Sumlin will be short lived at Arizona. Don't parse anything from that other than what I said. Um, if you're Arizona and your volatility and you're just seeking consistency, you'd be hard pressed not to not to hire a guy like that. Yeah, they won't. They won't. They, they won't. will screw it up. They will. It'll be like it'll. Um, it, it's always seen by fans as like an admission of, of failure or something. You have to like bottom out. Like Kansas could could like. I'm not saying he would go there, but like that's that's a job the, right the now. The dude had it, ten win seasons at Cal. Well, no, no, no. I'm just like, but that's the way it's viewed. The dude's he's old news. You know, he got fired at Cal. How's he gonna win here? You know, or they just it would be un. They, the the response would be uninspired. You have to be like a bottoming out situation. I always flash back to Missouri hiring Larry Smith uh, after he had been run out at Arizona. Or no, he didn't get run out at Arizona, but he got run out at USC. Uh, but they hired him because he was a he was a competent professional, and they needed professional competence. Um, Arizona fans would would rebel, even though he's a good coach and he would potentially do well. They would not be inspired by that hire at all. And maybe that doesn't matter. Just ma- so you know, stupid. If your AD has like goodwill saved up, then you can basically say, "Here's our guy," and then you know sell it without a revolt. But um, that's then always how come hard to like solve. how come Gus Bradley's had like eleven NFL head coaching jobs. NFL is totally different. NFL is just. I know. It just blows my mind where, like, I won't pay attention. I won't pay attention unless it's my coach, my team, or like waiting for Sean Payton eventually to get arrested for prescription fraud. (laughs) Um, Like, there's these, like, Dennis Allen and Gus Bradley, and what's another journeyman name that I see freaking everywhere? I mean, Mike Malarkey was one. Like, they just don't go away. Del Rio, Del Rio, um, yeah, like like they they're proven to not it is not working out two three times and they just stay in the league. It's I think that the thing is though, it's going to be really interesting to see because that always happens. Like they value pro head coaching experience. You yeah. you've been in the battles, you know. Uh, but Sean McVay might be the best head coach in the league right now, uh, and that dude's like twenty six years old or whatever. Um, and so I'm wondering because it's such an imitation situation, I am wondering if, if there are going to be a lot more teams willing to take shots on younger guys who haven't been in the battles or whether they just do the same thing. Cause Andy Reed is also of course doing very well right now and he's been around forever. So who knows? Uh, Jeff Tepford, by the way, 56, he's, he's once you hit like mid or really early fifties or once you start sprouting the gray hairs, um, we completely lose track of how old you are. You could be anywhere between like 52 and 68. Uh, he's only 56. So technically that would make him definitely a non-zero chance of going back to the P5 if he wants it. Maybe he doesn't. Maybe he wants to just ride it out and be and be worshipped and live in the same area that he was in when he was coaching in the Pac-10. Area, not city, I'm sure. But, um, you know, maybe that's – maybe he's fine with that because he's, he's kicking butt right now. He's 16 and 5. Uh, at, at Fresno State so far. Hashtag ask PAPN. That's how you ask us questions on the Twitter. Yes. You can also go to Reddit and search PAPN or backslash or whatever the damn thing is, PAPN. 
Dragoon in Paradise. Uh, is Brom Midwest Dan Mullen? If so, is Purdue a good enough job to keep him there until a true blue blood opens in the region? And he says, UM, Indy, uh, so Mar- uh, Maryland, <laughs> Michigan, Notre Dame, uh, Ohio State. Discounting U of L for now because they're in disarray and a lateral move, football and pay wise. Um, next question underneath this in my feed is from Alex Stefanik. The general thought is that U of L will fire Petrino and try and hire Brom. Is U of L an upgrade over Purdue? How much money can the Cards afford to pay with the Patino and potential Petrino buyouts and the loss of their biggest donor in Papa John? Uh, the front of the question is 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 old is uh tired the back of that question is wired um <laughs> those are the real issues is i heard you say it as i was reading the question out that it is most certainly an, an upgrade over purdue uh, well and I, and i feel bad saying that but i mean i think in terms of upside yes um there it, it's number one i mean you're you're i well, i can't say you're specifically in an easier situation because you're in clemson's division um, but you're not cluttered among a bunch of conference mates and trying to recruit against all of them uh, it, as, as Purdue is. And um, I don't have the stadium numbers in front of me. I'm thinking Louisville's got a better capacity in that regard uh, and, and yes. just more money. So the money situation is definitely much weirder now than it would have been five years ago. There's no question about that. Um, but in, t- in terms of upside, even if you're not sure if it has more upside, you also have the, the alma mater card to play. And the, the good thing about Dan Mullen is that he, his alma mater is like Ursinus or whatever, uh, or Sinus. I don't however get that comparison. That. Why is he the Midwest Dan Mullen? Because I think it's just basically he, he, he's at a quote unquote lower tier power conference school. Um, and he's, he's brought, brought them up and he can wait until one of the really, really big job comes open and doesn't have to take. Yeah. But that's not what Dan Mullen did at all. Right. He tried, he tried. (laughs) Dan Mullen completely ate it after two years, three years at Mississippi state in an interview with Miami chased every big job he could and anything bigger than Mississippi state to get out. And then on top of that, he never had an Ohio State win, ever. <laughs> he beat LSU last year. That was it. That's literally the best win he had on his resume other than – I think he beat Georgia and he beat Florida when they were both having down years. This is true. He never beat Alabama. Well, yeah, of course. I mean, no, Miles I, I think, killed I, him. I think I understand the logic of what he's saying. I just it, it obviously isn't a one-for-one one kind of uh, – um, Question. one other thing about the Purdue Louisville comparison, it's a, they're 183 miles apart as you would drive a vehicle. Most of that is straight North. Yeah. Um, in addition to the perception bias against Purdue and the big 10 at Louisville, although it does not make a ton of sense. And I do have, uh, uh, friends that live in Louisville who shovel a lot of snow. Uh, Louisville can recruit Florida and they can recruit the South. Purdue, not as much. That's a big, big win. A big win. Right. Um, you can go in, you can go as far south as you want with Louisville, and people recognize that logo, and they don't really conflate that with being Northern or Yankee. So, no, I'm just, that's I mean, a, no, high school, always, all the way, like, high school coaches in South Georgia will look at that and go, oh, yeah, Louisville, okay, yeah, yeah, you're one of us. It always cracks me up, though, because it really is, I mean, we're talking about Indiana versus Kentucky. They're the same state, but it really is like you cross the Ohio River and you're in the South, and it's the same damn place, but. Um, I, you know, I've had people pick this apart county by county, 
again, one of my best friends is from Kentucky. Um, lived in Louisville for a long, long time. Got his degree from there. Grew up a UK fan. You know, pr- pretty typical story. And it's originally from Owensboro. And when you when you, there's a line of demarcation as far as quote unquote finger quotes Yankee. It's mm-hmm. one of the things that Cincinnati fights a perception bias against both. In the north, places like Cleveland, they consider them to be southern rednecks in Cincinnati, whereas in Lexington, <laughs> people look at Cincinnati as terrible Yankees. Right. So you explain that one to me. It's one yeah, of the reasons no, it's, Cincinnati it's a river. Is... There's a river that separates them, and that's it. Uh, it's Ursinus, by the way. I wanted to make sure I was saying it right. It was Ursinus College where Dan Mullen uh, went to school and played. Brom, uh, Brom and his family are... are it, look, man, that's his dream job. That's what I've always been told. Um I think he would go there and stay for a long, long time and do really, really well. I, mean, I'm not, I'm, I was going to try and dance around it. I, like, yeah, I think if the job opens, he's going. Yeah, I could, I, I, and it's disappointing because it really is fun to see. Like, if any other, like, it, it, that's probably the only one of the only spots he would go to that isn't a blue blood type. Uh, and it's, so it's almost disappointing that I, you know, we we won't get dis, we wouldn't necessarily get to see what he could do at Purdue for three four five six years. And may, yeah. you know th- th- you know anything's possible. Maybe maybe uh, Purdue is able to figure out how to pony up enough and to to get him to stay. But it'll take a lot, I figure, uh, because Louisville is going to be pretty desperate among other things. And that beating Ohio State thing is going to skew a lot of people's perception of what's available and who who they should get and who they should hire. Yeah, you know, the they moments, interviewed the moments distract us. Yeah. They interviewed Butch Jones before he went to Tennessee. Butch Jones is available again. They will all scoff at like at a Butch Jones. Right. And so should they? I don't know. But like you beat Urban Meyer and now all of a sudden it's like, you know, 10, 11 win perennial Purdue. You lost to EMU a month ago, but. God, that happened. Yep. Transitive wins, baby. Another team. Um, I was talking to all these teams that come out of the gates uh, after an eight to nine month off season, and they pick the wrong quarterback or the wrong starters, and then it takes them a few weeks to figure it out. Um, two games, two week, two to three weeks into the season, they were like, "Man, we made a bunch of wrong choices here. We gotta, we gotta put Blau in. We gotta start opening things up." And they've been awesome ever since. Uh, but they just biffed to start the season, and it blows my mind that one, so many coaches do that. One thing I want to mention before we move on, and I need to double check, but I'll just go ahead and say it because who needs to accountability? Um, Brom, I've been told by multiple people, doesn't have traditional representation. And um, if there's a situation at Louisville where they would kind of come a little bit hat in hand, dealing with the Petrino buyout, dealing with right. the upheaval in the athletic department, because basketball is going to be in a mess with the NCAA for a minute, and the the I don't know what the federal thing is going to end up doing, but it's going to take some time for Louisville to get back. But in football terms, other than paying out Bobby, you should be okay in the short term. They are going to recruit their asses off in Kentucky, um, which is going to make a lot of people in the immediate community very happy. Yeah, He doesn't have a Sexton type that's going to go in and bleed him up front. So that's another – to me, that's another mark in the column of I think it's going to happen. Yeah. Um, it is unfortunate, though. Definitely unfortunate. Uh, for <laughs> just for Purdue, right? I mean, really, because they've, they've they they've committed, they've they 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 made a really good hire. You and I talk about how hard hires are to make. Consecutive good hires are even harder. So yeah. you know, it's it's tough. It's tough. But yeah, like and all that added up with the fact that like I don't know, freaking half his staff was our Louisville people. Um, yeah, it adds up. There's a very strong. Yeah, I was talking. I was tweeting with Smart Football, uh, Chris Brown, and. Uh, Jamarcus Shepard was on Taggart staff at Western Kentucky when I was there. And 
Uh, he's on the Purdue staff now. There's there's a lot of connection there. It's just that's not even where there's smoke where there's fire type situation. And I say all that about Louisville being a better job. A lot of it's circumstantial. I don't I don't want to be down on Purdue right now in any right. way, shape, or form because they're committed and they're doing they're doing better stuff. Oh God, I just saw the banner at Reddit PAPN. Oh, have they changed it again? I haven't. Oh, you knuckleheads. Um. Oh yeah, check. oh yeah, the NFL, NBA one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're gonna check some. Uh, <laughs> oh, here's one. Some... Well, that I can answer very quickly. Um, Twitter or Reddit? On Twitter, want... uh, okay. hashtag AskPAPN at okay. TMC two two four six two eight two four. Get a uh, better name. <laughs> T- capital TM lowercase C is what he it goes by. I want to think that Moorhead can turn things around at MSU, but the Kroom flashbacks frighten. Are the losses more on oh, Fitz slash talent or Joe Mo slash scheme? Uh, have you seen Nick Fitzgerald throw a football? The end. Like, there, I, I'm well, made- no, we talked about it in the context. Look, I'll, I'll call BS on us. We said I, I thought he could fit personnel. I thought, oh man, I got and I, I even wrote about it like I wasn't worried after the Kansas State game. But watching him try to throw a deep ball that was open, like oh my god, how is this not better? And and uh, I mean, you can call that an indictment. Like he has not been able to figure out how to break through with Nick Fitzgerald. Uh, he and his quarterbacks coach, um, and so that it's kind of a strike against them, but. I've seen Fordham film. I watched Penn State for two years. Um, I, I've seen what he was, he's was. he been trying to do at Mississippi State. Um, boy, Nick Fitzgerald is a hell of a runner. I mean, I, I don't want to take that away from him, but they just you, you have to be able to throw a better deep ball than he throws. And, they can and beat the, your ass on the ground. And if Thompson can do that next year, they're fine. Now, Thompson maybe can't because he's not any more efficient, but if he, he just – the deep ball, like not even the other stuff, just make sure you can stretch the field a little bit and it'll open up other things when, when you kick butt running the ball. But it just ugh, it just hasn't happened enough, and he's missed a lot of passes that I did not realize this offseason that he was going to miss. I like this question on Reddit. Last week you briefly uh, – maze and boom, sorry. Last week you briefly discussed the notion of teams keeping some plays close to the vest. Yeah. How common is it for teams to develop these plays in camp and then bring them out in key spots versus teams developing their offense and evolving through the season throughout? I asked this with Michigan's recent reliance on the spread pin and pull running attack versus the traditional power run game they relied on earlier in the season in mind. Um, without being a offensive football coach paid millions of dollars, um, I can tell you that pin and pull concept is not something that you would consider to be a close to the vest type situation. Right. It's more about effective. That's going to be more situational. And they probably, I always want to sound like I don't know what I'm talking about just because it, it, it's more honest to say probably uh, are using pin and pull versus the power stuff because they, they see something they like Um or, or I should say something that's that's a weak or a hole or whatever on the other side. That's that's it. That's, yeah, that's, yeah. No, I think you know in terms of game planning and everything, we, they, I think coaches are more opponent specific than we give them credit for sometimes. Uh, obviously, you're going to have your base stuff that you know you run well, but they will tweak things. Now, and I, I feel weird talking about this too because I didn't. I saw the Notre Dame game. I saw a little bit of West Virginia, almost none of SMU, none of Nor- Nebraska, and then I started watching again. I saw Northwestern. 
not much of Maryland, but and then all of Wisconsin and blah, 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 blah. Basically, there was a hole there in the middle of the season where I barely saw any of them for two to three weeks. So I don't know what – when he says they like ch- earlier in the season versus later in the season, I don't know when they started doing it or how much. I can't go and speak to that. But, yeah, that's – those types of run concepts are usually part of your base offense that doesn't change necessarily. Yeah. But, you know, it could be something I, – I, man, I don't know what you would keep close to the vest when you start with Notre Dame, though. Uh, it doesn't really make sense to keep something like we'll save this for later in the year. Like, no, you, you're playing at Notre Dame to start the year. You kind of have I mean, to throw it can, out there. There's throwaway stuff, too. It's um, the ones that come to mind specifically is uh, trick plays out of standard formation. Um, so if you're like four by one, um, you'll run, let's say, 10 plays over eight games out of a particular four by one with, with a certain personnel group. Okay. Mm. So, to, so the one and four by one being like a back, like a particular back comes into the game and there's 10 plays you run with that back and those four receivers throughout the course of most of the season. If you are going to have like a pass option from the running back or a reverse or just anything that deviates from those standard plays of like, you know, hitch, curl, go, whatever. Um, you would show as much as you could of the base stuff over it. You would commit it in multiple situations in multiple games against multiple looks to then signal to a defensive coordinator, this is their base, this is what they're doing. They're going to run this hitch and go out of four by one on third and eight or first and ten or whatever. This is part of their package. And then you hit them with whatever the next thing is or the evolution of it or you know, maybe it's a... Um, you know, like in Florida's case, like they fly Franks out and, you know, throw it back to him, something like whatever. Right. It doesn't matter. Um, that's the most common thing I've seen, especially on those embeds where they'll say like, I've had to scratch two or three times stuff from meetings and the embeds because it didn't end up happening. I've said right. that before. <laughs> and that's not an ethics thing, in my opinion. I think, honestly, at that point, you're just sort of, to me, it's almost an, not an ethics violation, but I think it's it's certainly bad business, and it doesn't make any sense from a media standpoint to tell you what they wanted to do that they didn't get to do if they still have games to play. Right. I've always felt that way. Yeah. The first sense. time I embedded for SB Nation with Vandy, they had a trick play built into a, um, I think it was an empty set, and they didn't end up using it against Tennessee, and it showed up against the, in the bowl game against Cincinnati. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> Is weird. Um, Here's one. Um, after this is eat more chicken nine nine nine. After seeing UAB beat North Texas on Saturday and emerge as the clear favorite in the C- in the Conference USA West and maybe Conference USA, should Bill Clark run away with Coach of the Year award this season? Also, what jobs do you think he may land if if UAB wins out and goes eleven and one or twelve and one? Hmm. Um, that's really I've been I, this cross. I'm reading this because it crossed my mind earlier too. Yeah, first of all, they lost by 23 points at Coastal Carolina. That's something that happened, and they are a top 50 team. And like just just football just makes no damn sense sometimes, especially again early in the season when it takes you a while to figure out what you got. Um, but that is. Like they really do now have a path. They are favored in every game left on the schedule except at AM uh, in week 12. So they've basically got like a, an 84% chance of hitting at least nine wins, 47% chance of hitting 10 or more. UAB is doing this second year after being dead. Um, but A, Bill Clark is 50 years old. Bill Clark is six years younger than Jeff Tedford. It felt like. 
because he was a high school coach and because he came up through like South Alabama and Jacksonville state, we like, we didn't get to know him for a while, but Jeff Tedford, Tedford, we've known for like 20 years. Um, but his, his background is Jacksonville state, alma mater, high school coach in Alabama, South Alabama defensive coordinator for five years, Jacksonville state head coach for one year. And then UAB, like there are no natural ties to, to anybody outside of Alabama, <laughs> Um, and so I don't know how, if that hurts him, I mean, obviously then you start thinking about Auburn, obviously, if that were to come open, but he just doesn't have any big school connections whatsoever. He's an amazing coach clearly, but I don't know how much that hurts him. Or if somebody just says, you know what, he's in a freaking amazing, amazing coach. We're going to hire him. Man, the Reddit threads get intense. Oh yeah. Yeah. They get intense. Uh, good discussion here on Louisville and Brom and Purdue. Don't worry about so much the guys who are in here discussing or ladies uh, discussing the recruits. That's going to happen. That's okay though. It's okay. You just have to find a situation in which you can. I wouldn't. Even, it's not really a bridge class. He would take the. I mean, yeah, he'd take the top third or whatever, and then he'd move on. So you just find somebody who can go in and, and and knows what kind of footprint they want to put down in recruiting. You will like yeah, when you lose a coach that's good, you're going to take a ding in recruiting temporarily. Don't worry about that. Just worry about the long term. <laughs> um let's see. <laughs> will Nebraska ever lose again? No. Dart speed. <laughs> this is it. Also, I got kind of flamed because I was I thought I was embracing the Nebraska rational Nebraska fan. With the whole USA Today thing about buying him out, which mm. is the dumbest, the dumbest piece of sports, at least yep. the headline that I've Quite. seen this yes. year. And they were like flaming me because I I didn't take it out on the Nebraska fans at all. No, I said that no. Was I all said I said USA that was today. just yeah. And he said that he said that focus should have been more on the fake news element. I was like that was the yeah. Shit. That's I thought all that I was did. pretty clear. That's all I did. They do, by the uh, way. Um, they do have a win. They're playing Bethune Cookman this weekend in the in the rearranged who's get available. Get you two, baby. Yep, they're gonna win that. They're gonna lose at Ohio State, and then they're gonna beat Illinois. So they're gonna like you know after all that, uh, they're gonna get, at least pick up three or four wins here. They're getting Michigan State late in the year at home, uh, which isn't out of the realm. By the way, uh, they were projected 61st in S and P Plus after eight weeks. They are 61st. So boom, and they are SB is basically looking at them as a pretty flawed four and three team. <laughs> a little, uh, little bit different. Ricari has a really long question here about USC. There were a couple on Twitter about USC, and we talked about this at work slack the other night. I'm not gonna act like I know what's going on there right now. Yeah. And I don't know what's going on there right now. Um we're in, weird, we're in a weird moment for USC. <clears throat> we gotta get out of here in a second. But Ricari, I saw your question, I read I'm just not sure. Um, and again, I'm always going to be the guy that tells you if I don't know, I don't know. Um, w- this is the the last breath of the Carroll run, right? Because you trace all the coaches through then. <laughs> through, no, I'm serious. Like Lane and, and Sark and Helton and there's a tie, there's a tie, there's a tie, there's a tie. I think if you're going to make a change – I don't think that anyone in college football would really react negatively to making a change right now. Cause I, I think there, there's probably a couple ass weapons left, especially if you, uh, I'm sorry, if UCLA beats them. Yeah. By, that's not going to be by an any whooping, point but... margin. What? Yeah. yeah. That's not going to be a whooping, but if they lose at all. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm saying like if they lose by 14 or four or, or one, it doesn't matter. Um, right. yeah, wait, no, and, and that's possible by the way. 
yeah, possible is, is the best they're way probably, to say that. The odds are that they will go about 7-5 and five this year. And so um, – and really though that wasn't I don't know like this is still I, I'm not I can't I don't have an answer yet because I want to see how the next five weeks play out they, this could go a lot of different directions but basically they were projected to fall off a little bit because they were starting yeah. a freshman quarterback um and when I was of the now I started the season and I was when we do the Athlon thing we talked about it on the show I had coaches saying hey we'd we would be worried about a 10 plus win USC team had they kept their quarterback and, and we like everything else but that's not the only Quarterback is not the only problem they have. It's a big problem, though. Um, it is a big problem, but their I mean, offensive line forty-one stinks. to Utah. Yeah, their their offensive line stinks. That's that's um, maybe not as foreseen uh, a problem, but they they've really been sketchy running the ball. Uh, well, and I mean, Stephen Carr is a sophomore, and their leading receiver Tyler Vaughn's is a sophomore, and I'm on race St. Brown as a freshman. So I mean, it's they they are young, but it's still you you would like to think that the baseline here is is not this low, and they looked really scared. And it, I, and I'd been talking about them as a team that looked like it was kind of putting things together uh, in recent weeks, handling Colorado reasonably easily, handling Arizona when Arizona was starting to look a little competent. And of course, I mean, they got they got they got targeting help uh, in beating Washington State. Um, um, but I, well, I mean, I guess there was a bad call both ways in that one, but they still, they beat Washington state, which is not a bad win. Like they, they had won three in a row and then they just looked like crap the other day. And now they're going to be starting, potentially starting their third string quarterback this weekend. It is a very tenuous situation, but if they get to seven and five or eight or, or they, you know, win a bowl and they go eight and five or whatever, that's, that's mm. not it. That's going to put a hell of a lot of pressure on him next year. But um, they do need for for him to be in trouble right now. They need to they need to lose to UCLA and then just get the crap kicked out of them by Notre Dame, which is on the Look, table. We've we've written about this recently at SB Nation that the college football staff has. I think a lot of the inaction going on right now it, because I asked this of Auburn fans, who is it you're dying to go get? <laughs> I'm serious. We don't have a bell of the ball situation like we've yeah. had in the, the last couple of years. So. And ain't the ain't ones ain't that, that could be are like Scott Satterfield, who don't play sexy ball, don't really uh, – don't capture USC the imagination. is not going to try and hire – I'm look, all respect in the world to Scott Satterfield and App, USC will not sell that. That would be spectacular. I, I would love to see them try to do that. They won't They won't do – I mean, like a, they're going to need somebody to come from a program or, some, or, or is it XNFL kind of Pete Carroll situation again? Yeah. USC just it's different. It is different there. I understand that. It is a private school. It's also in Los Angeles and they have this weird mindshare. It's not weird. It's it's weird by our uh, other parts of America standards to have this like small private school that has this mindshare over the sports interest of this massive, you know, second biggest city in the country. Um they can't sell. They just don't do things the traditional way we think of like in red state America. So to like grab a Neil Brown or Satterfield or uh, Campbell from Iowa State, like, I don't know. I just don't see him doing that. Well, I, I mean, because they, have they don't be... have a history of doing that. Um, yeah. So, I mean, like, the point I always make, though, is the best USC hires had no USC ties, except for John Robinson, I guess. But, um, like, when they – like, Howard Smith, long ago, Howard Smith basically created USC football. Uh, he, was an, he was Iowa's head coach. Um, like, in going on through, like, they just – when they accept that basically you don't need USC ties to be a good USC coach, they make great hires. Uh, and so I, whatever the, the, whatever this ends up being, if Helton doesn't end up working out, that's, that's the drum I'm going to bang all over again. It's just that like big umbrella, 
big, make the biggest possible umbrella you can find and then search for your head coach from, uh, from within that. Don't just say, oh, he's got to have USC ties. He doesn't. He really doesn't. History shows he very, very much does not need to have USC ties to do well in that job, even though they always, they always think that. Just hire Lane back, I guess. Yeah, hey. <laughs> different a different AD, so it could work. I don't know anymore. One more I really question. don't. Do you want one more? Yeah. Okay. Um this is also from Reddit. I wanted to save this one. Since we since we uh depressed Purdue fans earlier momentarily, uh, I'll let them feel good about this one. J Urban D E T Detroit, I guess. Um, are we sure that Ohio State, quote-unquote, couldn't run the ball against Purdue? Because it kind of seemed to me that they, quote-unquote, wouldn't. Props to Purdue for beating the brakes off of OSU with execu- execution slash, slash game plan. But the OSU run attempts I saw inside the red zone were with four wide receivers trying to spread out the defense. At some point, if you're the number one recruiting team in the conference and the t- and top five recruiting team in the nation, don't you have to man up, put three tight ends in the game, and hashtag run the damn ball? No, first of all, you don't. Like, if the numbers makes sense elsewhere you, you're gonna have you have blue chip talent everywhere you don't have to just be able to to push guys around in the box you can uh, I, I thought they were way too reliant on the pass but also they had a 25 percent rushing success rate they were they could not run the ball uh they they really weren't doing a good job of it and so they basically said all right Dwayne Go throw. When I was putting together the box score, uh, the game report stuff yesterday, I was, I'd run all my queries, I dumped it in, and then I'd do a little just spot checking. And I got across this box score where it said Dwayne Haskins was 49 for 73. I watched the entire game, and I was like, wow, that cannot be right. 73? That's impossible. Uh, no, he threw 73 passes um, and averaged 6.3 yards per pass. They only averaged like four yards a run. So it, it made sense, but it was baffling that they could not run the ball because they couldn't. Uh, we got to point out real fast. We got to get out of here. So rather than me respond to this one, shout out to FAU because they only scored seven points in a loss. Yeah, Marshall. we haven't. We, we've um, been. We've been. I've been saving up some Lane Kiffin. What the hell stuff? But and we'll then uh, ODU and uh, Western oh. Kentucky. Oh my God! We teased it on the on the countdown show. Oh my God! It's the most. It's probably the most remarkable ending that you could create in terms of you looked at a rule book and tried to manufacture <laughs> a bizarre ending. That's about as raw and amazing as you could get. I want to. I'm pulling up the play by play so we can just list out how it how it played out. Like I know that a lot of people like the video that uh, whoever it was put out got massive views. So I know a lot of people have seen this by now. Um, but where did it go? There's where WKU. And by the way, a lot of people also, we had just talked to WKU fans, talked them off the ledge a little bit. And everybody's like, are you sure about that? After this played out, this is the definition of an unsustainable loss. Uh, you, you guys, I, I don't feel any different about, uh, about Western Kentucky than I did uh, or about, uh, Stanford in general than I did, but good. That was a, that was a heck of a loss to take. Damn it. Where mm. I'm, I'm, str- right. I'm struggling. I'm struggling. Where is it? There it is. Game book. Um, here's how it plays out on the play-by-play. Uh, first of all, the best part about this is all this happened after Old Dominion tied the game with nine seconds left. That's that's a thing that happened. Old Dominion scored from nine from six yards out to tie the game with nine seconds left, and then all of this followed. Um, the pooch kicked, I guess. WKU took took over at the thirty yard line. So with eight seconds left, uh, they run for fifteen yards and call timeout with two seconds left. Uh, so now it's time for, you know, Hail Mary or whatever. 
Uh, and OD roughs the passer. So 15 yard penalty, uh, no time left on the clock, untimed down uh, from the OD 40 yard line. Western Kentucky likes its kicker a decent amount, so they send him out to try a 57 yard field goal. It is short, but Old Dominion had 12, yard, 12 men on the field. Uh, no play, untimed down coming from the ODU 35. He tries another field goal. Uh, does not make it. He, he misses it short. Uh, Isaiah Harper then collects it and returns it 83 yards to the Western Kentucky 17, but time's up. Game's over, except a uh, face mask penalty put, moves uh, Old Dominion to the eight-yard line where Nick Rice, nine seconds technically after he kicked the game tie and extra point, kicks the 26-yard uh, game-winning field goal with no time left on the clock. Uh, that was four plays that happened in the last nine seconds of the game. Three that happened on untimed downs. It's just spectacular. Amazing. All right, we got to get out of there because I got to get out of here. Um, we will see you guys Thursday for the preview show. I don't have anything witty to say. 